saw this morning's conference will be called, uh, or is entitled, Our Lady's Help from Heaven. We will um, specifically talk about Our Lady's help as um, a mediatrix, as a co-redeemer, but really as her and from heaven. We'll talk about the differences between, a little bit, between Mary's help on this earth, what she did for us, for mankind, but now what she especially does in heaven, and since it's the month of um, November, the month dedicated to the Holy Souls, we'll specifically focus on the help which she delivers to those in purgatory, to those souls who need help, who um, truly need prayers. So Mary's work of co-redemption didn't cease at the moment of her assumption into heaven. Certainly her compassion with the passion of her son was instrumental in mankind's redemption. Her humble life was also filled with great merits because every little thing that she did was filled with great charity. It's something that's very difficult for us to, um, to wrap our minds around is that you know, each and every little thing that Mary did was filled with I wouldn't say infinite charity, but that would be um, only God himself. But with such a great charity, the the little things that she did, whether it be the little things um, with regard to the hidden life of our Lord, little things, menial tasks, menial duties, was filled with um, with great charity, with great attention. She supernaturalized every aspect of her life. And that's why um, in heaven she is... For, for another reason, she's the highest because of her status as mother of God. And we'll get into that, why the mother of God is such a crucial aspect in Mariology, in the study of Mary. But she is also the highest because her charity was, was great. Her charity was, uh, not to say infinite, was um, enormous, to use a word that someone uses often in the media. No, I won't say who it was. She continues, though, to cooperate in heaven with her son as she is queen of heaven. Remember the fifth mystery of the the glorious mystery, the fifth mystery. Mary is queen of heaven, queen of heaven and of earth. Though being in heaven, her activity takes on a different role. It's not merely a, a role of a certain sense of meriting as she's on this earth, but she distri- distributes God's graces here below. So we're getting as that mediatrix of all graces, the one who uh, is the, the channel, the, often theologians like to look at Mary as the aqueduct. You have the source as God himself of grace, and the aqueduct is Mary. Um, in a certain sense, um, Mary is the, the funnel of, of grace towards mankind. Her activity now is is being elevated to reigning with God as an intercessor. She um, participates in the beatific vision. She sees God face to face. She intercedes for us. She, in, in a certain sense, shows what you know her merits, what she has done, and she intercedes for us. She um, is our advocate. It's the Latin term to advocate to call for someone. She's um, you know she's on our side, as many attorneys like to say. 
It has always been believed that Mary, as mother of God, has a particular protection and intercession over her son's church, that being most particular to us. We heard in today's gospel, the, um, the first uh, Saturday of the month, the 22nd of August's feast, when our, um, our Lord gives uh, Mary over to son, her um, St. John the Apostle as her son, she gave over Mary being mother of God and St. John representing mankind, also representing the church. As we said earlier, the basis of Mariology, the study of the Blessed Mother in theology, has its basis on this fundamental doctrine, that being the mother of God. Um, everything which we say of Mary, whether it be the Immaculate Conception, whether it be the Assumption to Heaven, whether it be um, um, free of, um, of all personal sins, uh, Mother of Christ, all this has its root as the Mother of God. It is the, the basis of Mariology. If Mary were not the Mother of God, or because she is the Mother of God, all these things necessitate themselves. If she is going to be the, the vessel which is going to hold the God-man, she has to be free from sin. If she is such a pure vessel, then she cannot remain on this earth uh, after uh, her death. She cannot, uh, a perfect vessel can't um, be subject to corruption. So of course she's going to be assumed into heaven. She has, uh, as, as mother of God, she is, and also... Um, human, she's not just uh, um, some some adopted uh, figure, she's not a, a ghost, she's not a spirit, she's God and man. She has that um, as well, part human, well she's 100% human, but she is also now, because the mother of God and man, she's also the mother of mankind in that sense, so she she's the mother of Christ, who is both God and man, and so we, if you remember from your catechism, or your, um, the <clears throat> the Nestorians who didn't who thought God was I mean, Christ was two people, both God and man, and mother and Mary was only the mother of Christ, who was the person, and so they refused to say the mother of God. That's why the that term Theotokos, um, which is the Greek for mother of God, is so crucial. Everything else, um, it's the fulcrum. Everything else. Uh, if is based on that. If if this isn't true, if this doesn't um, hold any water, then everything else about Mary um, is not at all, if you will, worth speaking about. <clears throat> I'll read a little bit about kind of um, a quick excerpt from a 19th century theologian, Sheban, who kind of talked about Mary as mediatrix. Most specifically, he was talking about Mary... Um, and Mary on this in this earth as her mediatrix with with Christ. By that cooperation, she was given charge of all the merits of the redeeming sacrifice, the virtus passionis Christi. So the virtue, the virtue, the power of the passion of Christ. So virtus, um, we say virtues in, in English, but remember virtus in Latin can also mean is a power. So when we, so if someone has a virtus doesn't mean just virtue, it can also be a power. So when we say we have virtues, we have in a certain sense those powers, the virtue of charity of a certain power. And in them, all the graces of salvation for mankind, by nature, 
Mary's cooperation in Christ's sacrifice was so directed and disposed by God as to make this sacrifice, through her cooperation, a complete sacrifice for mankind. In a sense, she completed the sacrifice, not that, that there's anything missing, but that she was the human aspect of it, the full participation of mankind in Christ's passion. We all participate in Christ's passion through the sacraments, through our um, uniting ourselves, but we all fall up short. She is immaculate. She is holy in all she does, and so she's the, the fullness of, if you will, mankind's participation in Christ's redeeming sacrifice. Therefore, it must be said that only in and through Mary did mankind come into possession of Christ's sacrificial merits. So she's, that's why she, we have to realize how important Mary is, not only because she's the mother of God, but also because um, she is also, getting back to what I said earlier, our advocate, our intercessor. She was first and foremost by saying yes to our Lord, or to God at the fiat, and then all throughout that, it was complete adhesion to God's plan and the greatest act of his plan being his sacrifice. <clears throat> Just as God the Father gave the Redeemer to mankind only through Mary by allowing his Son to become man in her womb, so in the like manner did the Redeemer give mankind the merits of his redemption only through Mary. Because her soul, as a bearer of his sacrifice, was made bearer also of the fruits of that sacrifice for humanity in general. So Mary is instrumental, literally instrumental. We say instrumental uh, in our uh, in our terminologies. Oh, that's very instrumental. But truly, the the word instrumental, um, she is that instrument by which um, man's redemption uh, can be completed. Of course, Christ's merits are infinite in uh, in a certain sense. He didn't need Mary, but yet he chose her for our own good. He could have you know he could have been born a fully grown man at age thirty three and died, but yet he willed to be born of a virgin. He willed to give over the human race to mankind. He willed to in addition um, will that she be that complete, if you will, adhesion of humanity to his sacrifice. And so we see how important Mary is uh, in, the, in that aspect. We see her intercessory aspect. And so we'll see how Mary specifically helps the holy souls. There's a, I found a, a good quote, or actually a little essay, um, of, of some of the saints in, in Mary's um, visitation of them in, in purgatory. The Venerable Sister Paola di Santa Teresa, so I don't know who that is, but in an ecstasy one Saturday was taken away to purgatory, where she saw it completely irradiated as if for a special feast. Then she saw the Blessed Virgin surrounded by a vast multitude of angels. Our Lady gave instructions to the angels to free those who had been particularly devoted to her during their lives on earth. If this is what happened on Saturdays in Purgatory, what then must be, happen on the big important feast days of Our Lady? They bring true celebrations to Purgatory. The first and most splendid day, according to Holy Writers, is the Assumption of the Mary into Heaven. St. Peter Damien said that every year on this day, the Virgin frees thousands of souls from Purgatory and brings them to the joys of their eternal reward. 
And this he proved in a convincing manner by relating the following vision. It was the pious custom of the Roman people of his time to visit churches on the vigil of the Assumption, holding a candle. One year it happened that a noble woman, as she was on her knees in the church of Our Lady in Araceli, so that literally means, Araceli means the altar of heaven, in Rome, saw another woman appear before her. This woman was very well known to her, and indeed had died that precise year. She desired to wait for her at the door of the church, in order that the strange fact might be explained. Therefore, as she saw her leave, she took her by the hand, drawing her aside, she said, Aren't you my godmother, Marozia, who held me at the baptismal font? Yes, replied the deceased person, I am precisely she. But how do you now find yourself among the living, if you have been dead for many months, and whatever happened to you in the other world? Up to now, replied the soul, I've been baking in a fire, suffering from many sins of vanity which I committed in my youth. But for the occasion of this great solemnity, the Queen of Heaven, having descended into the flames of purgatory, freed me together with many other souls, allowing us to enter heaven on the feast of her assumption. Every year the Mother of God renews this miracle of mercy, and the number of souls which she has freed in this manner are thousands. In thanksgiving for this grace, on the eve we have made our way to the churches which are dedicated to her. And if your eyes see only me, let me tell you that we are here in the multitudes. The lady remained doubtful, so her friend added, As proof of the truth of what I have told you, I will also tell you that in less than a year from now, on the same feast day, you will die. And this time has been reached. If what I have told you doesn't come to pass, you can take it what I have told you was just your imagination." St. Peter Damon tells us that the pious woman spent the year carrying out pious exercises to prepare herself for death. And indeed, she died on the Feast of the Assumption the following year, as had been predicted. And so the church, captained by its queen, loving looks after the souls in purgatory and consoles and helps them until they enter the joy of eternal life. So don't we all wish someone would tell us when we would die so we could prepare properly? But, uh, um, yes, so, but it... um, Visions, and we'll get into actually some more that um, the many saints hear of, of, um, of Our Lady visiting Purgatory, Our Lady helping those um, souls who suffer um, or, or in the multitude. Our late, we have to remember that the souls of, um, of, of the souls in Purgatory are, are helpless, and um, helpless in the sense that. They have the virtue of hope. They, they, they don't, in a certain, suffer as the, you know, the pains of hell. They don't have that, that hard. They, ha- they have, in a certain sense, that joy that they are numbered among the elect. They, they're assured of their salvation. They're, there's no despair. There's none of that. But yet, since they are um, no longer in this earth, they're no longer human in the sense they don't have a body and soul, they no, can no longer merit. They no longer can offer up sacrifices. They can no longer do penances themselves. And we uh, um, take for granted um, a lot of the things we can do with the sacraments, the penances, and it's always related that the souls in purgatory look back on that and kind of they've had visions of saints or said that so one of the things that the souls 
regret is, is the amount of times they could have done more or they didn't do enough or they didn't take advantage of the, of the sacrifices of the sacraments that, um, that were made available to them. So the whole solo souls can no longer merit. They can no longer, therefore, do anything to lessen their own pains. What they've been given is a, a just punishment to make reparation for their sins or their attachment to sins. Um, the story tells about the godmother who was making reparation for past sins of vanity. Of course, they were probably forgiven, but maybe there could have been um, what's called the in um, theology the Relique peccati. So think of them as um, the remnants of sin. Of course, sin is forgiven to us through, through the sacrament of confession and we're wiped clean. But it's that relique peccati, that attachment to sin, or that what the sin remains on the soul. And that's why the sacrament of extreme unction is important for, for those. And so remember that the sacrament of extreme unction is only for those who are above reason. Children don't receive the sacrament of extreme unction, even though they might be on, the, um, on their deathbed. They don't receive it because they don't have any sins on their soul. It's been wiped away from original sin. They don't have also any of that remnants of sin, that stain of sin. So they don't need the extreme unction. They will go straight to heaven. But us, on the other hand, we, we have sinned and we even have certain attachment to sin or what the sin has um, people cause within us that vice or that, that inclination to sin and that's what needs to be purified for the holy souls of course along with the venial sins St. Bernardine of Siena says that in that prison where souls that are spouse of Jesus Christ are detained Mary has a certain dominion and plenitude of power not only to relieve them but to deliver them from their pains so we, um, we see Mary as, uh, as a, a visitor, uh, often a visitor of, of purgatory. Uh, I can't remember, remember reading this, but I remember reading one time, you see as Mary kind of almost walked through the uh, purgatory, seeing these souls and kind of giving them a little bit of consolation, a little bit of relief of their sufferings. Um, and so for them, that's a joy uh, as well. At least their suffering would also know knowing that someone is there um, to help to help them to relieve them of their uh, of their pains our blessed our blessed mother once again said it to saint bridget so saint bridget of sweden who received many visions of both the life of our lord and our lady our our blessed mother said i am the mother of all the poor souls for my prayers serve to mitigate their sufferings every single hour that they remain there we read many of the lives of saints, different visions with regard to um, the poor souls and Our Lady going them to comfort them, as we said earlier. Um, she again told St. Bridget, the poor souls are comforted in simply hearing her name spoken. Just as any person in bed um, is relieved by either the company of a loved one who comes to visit them um, or the the name of, of when we suffer, even though we might be in physical agony. Someone might say something to us, and um, you know, whether words of encouragement or even the, the like I said, the visit of, of someone who loves us. It relieves our, our our pain, relieves our suffering. That doesn't mean that if we have something wrong with our leg, a pain or whatever, it doesn't mean that that pain goes away. But it's that comfort which brings to the holy souls 
um, encouragement as well to realize that they're there to be purified in order to to see um, to see the perfection itself. Saint Alphonse of Liguria, in, in his Glories of Mary, which um, some of this comes from, he, in his Glories of Mary, the first portion he basically comments the Salve Regina, and he talks about heaven, and um, this one or some of the quotes come from him. Uh, regarding the intercession of Our Lady to those in purgatory. And he relates many different instances where the Blessed Mother helped release souls. In addition, he reminds us of her importance, as was related earlier, of her feast days, saying that many souls are released because of her intercession on this day. There's a pious pious belief, pious um, tradition, if you will, um, that on Our Lady's assumption, the day she... um, was assumed into heaven, body, and soul, that purgatory itself was released, and um, in that everyone who was suffering through a great gift of God, everyone was through the intercession of Our Lady, was relieved from their sufferings and entered into heaven. Just like um, it's related that the, the two days which the most souls are released from heaven are Christmas itself and, and all souls, when those days many masses are being offered um, for their for their intention or for their um, con- consolation and solace. And so then we see how, how Mary helps the souls and how she is that intercessor for them. And, and now we turn to our own self. How can we be as well intercessors? How we can help souls, especially this month of, um, of, of November, dedicated to the, the souls in purgatory. And just like Mary, we are called to, to be those intercessors, to be those who help give solace to those who can't give it. Remember, they can't help themselves. Um, and so the rosary is one of the most, um, we all know that's one of the most powerful devotions, powerful prayers. Many indulgences are granted to it, many indulgences which we don't um, take advantage of. And um, a pious priest always Remind, reminded me of, of the treasures of the church, of the indulgences of the church. And we hear indulgences, and, you know, the first, first thing comes, or we say that word, and the first thing that comes is, you know, hear Martin Luther and, and then all the indulgences, but oh, the church just sells indulgences. But, of course, that's not all the doctrine of the church. Indulgences are those, the treasure of merits, of prayers, of sacrifices that Christ did, that our lady did, that the saints did. And that we and then the church gives to us. It's kind of you know, if you know if, if you were at a child's classroom and you had a huge um, you know one of those winter boxes filled with candy, you just open it up. You know, all the kids would run into there and just start taking the candy. That's the same. That should be the same thing with us with regard to indulgences. Everything that we can offer for you know, it's free. It's there. You tell tell kids that there's you know 50 pounds of free candy. They're gonna get diabetes within five minutes. Uh, so it, it should be the same for us. And um, you can go on the internet, you can buy the book. Um, it's printed. It's called The Incuridian of Indulgences. And you have many different little things we can offer up for ourselves, for the whole souls in purgatory. This month, of course, the first eight days, we can pray for the souls in purgatory, offer up. And so that's what um, we can do, along with Mary, to help console, help relieve the, the pains, the sufferings of the holy souls. In a sense, we accompany Our Lady as we do this, as we have the devotion of the Holy Rosary. We pray, we offer up decades, we offer up 
um, rosaries all together for them, we relieve them their sufferings. And if you will, we can um, have a little consolation as well. If we are devoted to the holy souls, when we're in heaven, we'll have people in heaven who will be looking after us. You know, God, you know, God willing, we, um, you know, we can go to purgatory. Maybe we can, if it's God's will, that we can, through our own merits and His grace, skip purgatory and go to heaven. But we know how weak we are. And, and, but if we are, have been faithful to holy souls, we'll have those saints in heaven who've left purgatory and gone to heaven um, that we've been close to on earth and that we'll have a consolation that souls. In addition, most importantly, the highest intercessor of, hev- uh, of heaven or in heaven is Our Lady. If we've had that devotion to Our Lady here on earth. We've, you know, um, been faithful to her feast days, to especially her most faithful, um, to her most important feast days. Um, we can, so in a sense, rest assured, not give up, but rest assured that we will have that consolation, we'll have her intercession in heaven. And, and so I invite you um, to continue in this month of, um, of November, continue to grow in the two great devotions, devotions towards our Blessed Mother, and you can couple that with the devotions toward the Holy Soul. So thank you.